You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When's the last time? And, and, and the answer to this truly might be never. You'd probably have to look back well before our time, I would say. Well, maybe Jason Allison years. My, let me start with the questions. You guys aren't wondering what I'm asking. When's the last time the Bruins entered a season without a true number one center? I mean, even I mean, the last 20 years, you've had a combination of Bergeron, Mark Savard, Joe Thornton. Even during years where the Bruins were kind of down, you always had a number one center. Um, and then so that's why I was kind of thinking, all right, maybe like maybe like 99, 2000, maybe Jason Allison was their number one center and but I think Jason Allison for a cup of coffee was pretty decent in the league. So even he wasn't that much of a drop off as a one C and then, you know, you go back down to the Bork Neely era. I mean, you had, you had Oates and Janney, I think, and it's been a long time. It's been a long time since the Bruins have entered a season without a bona fide number one center. Um, so I'd be, that's, that's kind of why I'd be surprised if the Jacobs allowed that to happen going into their hundredth season with all eyes on them. But I don't know if there's anything they can do about it. Yeah, it just off the top of my head, like it probably would be pre oats, I guess, depending on how high you were on Janny at the time. Like he was just coming out of BC. So it's probably somewhere in that, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Oddly enough, like when they went to two cup finals, but there was some turnover there for a few years. So it's like maybe around then. But I, you know, I'd probably have to look closer at those teams. But yeah, to your point, a long time. Um, you know, even around Allison, it's like you had, you also had Joe Thornton, you know, establishing himself at that point in his career where he maybe wasn't quite a true number one star yet, but like you you knew it was coming. He was getting better each year, putting up more points. So, um, yeah. It, and, you know, look, maybe Zaka is that guy. Maybe, like maybe he, you know, last year was a huge step forward from where he'd been previously. Maybe there is another big step still to come. Like, he had 57 points last year. Who's to say he doesn't get to 70 this year? You know, is he a guy who grows to 80 at some point? Like, you know, Bergeron and Krejci, it's not like they were ever putting up 100 points, but they were consistently anywhere from 65 to 80 that you could just count on. And and in Bergeron's case, obviously, elite two-way play. And Krejci's, for the bulk of his career, really good two-way play. Um you know, I do think Zaka can at least be a really good two-way center. I don't know if he has Selkie trophies in his future, but... Um, hey, now that the King's out of the way, it's up for grabs. <laughs> more more yeah. candidates have an actual chance now. But, like, the, that jump I mentioned to, like, Zaka being a 70-point guy, like, I don't think that's crazy. I think he could do that. So, you know, maybe you're... I certainly think he can be one of their top two centers for years to come. Um, yeah, that question's obviously finding the other one because we don't think it's Coyle, who's you know 31 years old now and a good player, but 
with all due respect, like he had, he's had one season in his career over 50 points and generally he's been more in the 40 to 45 range. You know, maybe if he has marching on his wing for an extended stretch, he gets a, you know, a little higher offensively, but um, yeah, if you're Don Sweeney, like you're certainly at the very least you have to be any, I'm sure he already was, but you have to be poking around every possible Avenue to find a number one center because you know, even if you're high on Georgie Merkulov and or Matthew Poitra and you hope that those guys grow into that kind of role, you can't assume that. And at the, you know, that's not happening this year anyways, unless one of them just takes like a massive step forward, but most likely that's at least a year or two away anyways. So yeah, you're looking and, you know, we mentioned it before, but two of the big center names that were rumored to be on the trade block or potentially available were Mark Shifley in Winnipeg and Elias Lindholm in Calgary. And those guys haven't moved. They're still there. They also haven't signed new contracts. So, you know, their situation is the same. They're both still going into the final year of their contracts and they're with, they haven't been traded yet. So yeah, maybe you can circle back on that and see if there's something there, but for the most part, the, the overwhelming majority of off-season roster building around the league is already done. So, you know, I'm sure Winnipeg and Calgary are at this point operating like those guys are back. And if things go south and they have to explore trading them in season, I'm sure they will. But, um, you know, it probably takes a lot to get one of those guys at this point. That's what and- I was just thinking. You're probably losing one of your goalies. And that also makes you, you like that. Well, and neither one of those teams wants a goalie. I mean, yeah. Calgary might want to upgrade, but they already have, I think, $8 million invested in the position. Yeah. Winnipeg still has Connor Hellebuck, another guy that hasn't been traded. So, you know, something else has to happen if if one of them's taking a goalie and you just you don't have the picks, prospects, cap space to add one of those guys without trading something off your active roster. Yeah, and they're already uh thin (laughs) so you wonder whether or not it would actually actually really hurt your team to make a move for a number one center say you have to lose a top four defenseman or um like you mentioned both of those teams aren't really looking for a goalie which um like probably their most valuable pieces are either omar and swayman (laughs) um for for teams that actually are trying to add a goalie, but um, yeah, I, I also wonder um, what the power play looks like without Bergeron or Krejci and, um, you know, just how effective the power play would be with, I mean, Bergeron for so long has been such a good bumper player on the power play that you just always know that he's going to be right there and, and that's the role he's going to play. And now, um, I think Zaka can be a good bumper player. Um, that's another thing he's going to have to really work on and try to perfect if he's going to kind of become a, another Bergeron, I guess, um, if that's the role they want him to play, which I assume it would be on the power play. Yeah, I mean, I thought he looked good in those in those opportunities last year down the stretch, and, and dare I say at times he kind of, seemed a little bit more dangerous than, than Bergeron towards the end of last year in that, in that role um, for one reason or another, but I, I don't, yeah. I mean, the power play is going to look different. I think you're not losing 
if if Zaka is your replacement for Bergeron one for one, right? Uh, you're not losing speed on there. Like you're gaining speed on the power play. Zaka's a better skater than Bergeron at this point in each of their but careers. But you're you're losing more faceoffs, like to mm-hmm. open power plays, and that can kill power plays. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's that's for sure. I mean you'd have to you'd have to win your fair share there. But I, I mean honestly, I, I I guess my point is I think like. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're upgrade, if you're replacing Bergeron with Zaka, I, I, let me rephrase. Speed is just about the only place where you're kind of upgrading there. I mean, everything else you check off to Bergeron. I mean, I, IQ, uh, finishing ability, face-off percentage. But those are all things that, you know, Zaka is going to improve upon, and I think he has a great ceiling. I'm just saying, I mean, Bergeron's a first battle Hall of Famer. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, there's a... <laughs> There's so there's so much to figure out with this team. I mean, I I honestly feel like guys that I mean, for all the reasons you, you rattled off, Scott, just lack of assets, lack of cap space, lack of dance partners. Uh I don't I don't I don't know if there's a move out there to be made, even if the Bruins wanted to for once for a one C. And if that's the case, like I just I look at this Bruins team going into the season and as it stands right now, I mean, they're gonna have to scratch and claw for like 95 points they're they're gonna have to scratch and claw and hope that maybe it's a low low wild card year where i mean i just don't i don't and 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 i guess my point is if that's the case like should the bruins be exploring other potential players to maybe trade that it's not going to make or break the team because the expectations aren't there this year i'm not saying the bruins can't be a competitive team but here's an example right since there's no cup aspirations based on this roster and losing Bergeron really hinders that. I mean, if you had Bergeron, it's different, but you don't. Like, if are you more willing to trade somebody like a Matt Grizzlick and just bring in a Mason Lorai? And maybe he's not right away a one-for-one replacement because of Grizzlick's experience, but you know what? Maybe it just helps get some money off the books and bring in a younger player. It seems like one of those transitional years. Does it not to you guys? Yeah, certainly. Um at least to an extent, but I've kind of said this before and, and I feel this way pretty strongly now. Like I'm okay sitting here now, assuming you get deals done with Swayman and Frederick who are still restricted free agents with the clock ticking towards potential arbitration hearings. Um, but assuming those guys are back, like I'm okay saying, okay, this is our roster Go into the year with it as is see how things go. And if you're, you're better than expected and you know, you're kind of right in the middle of the playoff pitcher and you're the fourth or fifth best team in the conference. Then you consider doing something bigger around the trade deadline, even though, yeah, you don't want to be in the habit of trading away more first round picks or whatever. But if you think you have a chance and it's, Hey, number two center is what we need and someone's available. Like you revisit it. Then I, I don't think you need to make, that move now I'm kind of okay with seeing like what this team is and what kind of position they put themselves in because the flip side of that is if things go south and you're kind of out of it and you're clearly not going anywhere and you're more than just one or two pieces away well I think you have pieces that could be pretty valuable come trade deadline that can help you get back some picks prospects and turn this into not you know a long-term rebuild but a pretty quick turnaround transition period you know Almar could have a lot of value by the trade deadline 
You look on your defense with whether it's Grizzlick, Forbert, like Shattenkirk on a one-year deal. Those guys could have value. A Van Riemsdyk as a rental uh, somewhere. Like, I, I think you have pieces that other teams could potentially want come trade deadline if your season's not going the way that you were hoping. So I'm okay, you know, as I sit here and look at the Bruins, I'm okay saying we're going to go into the season with what we have. We really like our defense and goaltending. We'll see what happens up front. And depending on how the first three or four months go, we'll make a decision about, all right, this team's worth investing in. And and we think we can make a move that gives us a shot to contend or we have a couple pieces that some other teams might like, and we can get back some, some picks here. Yeah. Hopefully it's not that one. Um, that would be, that would mean that the experiment that is this current roster uh, failed without Bergeron. Um, so, you know, you'd at least hope that they'd be a playoff team, even if it's just wild card, like we mentioned before. Um, and remember, the optimism from last podcast, guys, where the hell did that go? Remember how we were talking about how the rest of the teams in the division also got worse yeah. and that it wasn't just the Bruins that got worse and that, you know, there's still a chance for this team to be a playoff team. Like it's, they, they could still be a playoff team guys. Let's it was under, that was under one massive assumption now. I mean, no, because we talked about what the team would look like without Bergeron too. And that, Obviously, you're not finishing first or second or third without Bergeron, but you could still be a wild card team without Bergeron. I, I mean, look, anything is possible. I think that I think mainly, I mean, where I was going last week was if they still had Bergeron, their needs going into this year weren't too dissimilar from last year, but now you've lost your number one center. So, I mean, Tampa Bay didn't lose Stamkos. Toronto didn't lose Matthews. Florida's not losing Barkov. I mean, that's significant. And like, I, I don't, I don't mind standing pat here. Like as the season starts, I, I, I mean, I don't. I guess what I'm saying is, I just feel like I don't need. The, if it's if if it takes a couple of lumps this regular season to get better quicker, I, I'm 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 not like I'm not even saying it's a bad thing. I mean, I'm I'm looking at this roster right now, and and look, last year did Florida upset the Bruins? Yes, but did Florida have significant positional needs filled? Number one center, for example. Yeah, they did. Like they had that. You can't ask you can't ask a team that that they're 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 significant personnel sure up front to 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 be a contender. I'm not saying they can't have a competitive season, and let's let's see what happens. I'm just saying like. What what Stanley Cup team has ever ha- not had a number one center? Oh, I'm not saying they would be a legitimate contender at all. Just that no, they I could know. be a well, playoff I, team. I know. No, I, I get that. I guess what I'm just saying is like, it just Scott, when you say that, it kind of it kind of just sounds like, and and you're only saying this because it's not you didn't ask for this. Like you're just like, well, this is what they have to deal with. Like, you're, you're accepting the reality. I'm just saying like, that's like it's more or less just kind of conceding like, eh, let's just be mediocre and see what happens. Like I, I kind of I kind of. If it wasn't for the centennial season, and 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 it's it's ironic to me that in their 100th season, like all this is going to start to come to the forefront, and this massive uh, looming void that we all knew was inevitable, which was Bergeron leaving, they're going to have to face it when when the spotlight's on their organization's hundredth year. 
But if it wasn't the centennial season, I'd, I'd be sitting here saying like, I, sure, sure, try, try. But like, th- this team's not gonna, this team's not gonna win a Stanley Cup, and 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 I just don't think being mediocre helps the franchise long term. So if you have to maybe sell off a couple pieces and help these younger kids develop, like bring up Lori, bring up Merkelov, bring up Lysel, like what? What at this point? Why? Why deny these kids opportunity? Like, let's see what, let's see what they have. Let's see what this next wave is. Like, who knows? Maybe, maybe a year or two from now, like Matthew Poitra is like a number two center and Zaka turns out to be number one center. We don't know. I'm just saying like, I don't, I don't want to suppress some kids in the system that I think can maybe just break through because you're not, you're no longer trying to scratch into an NHL full roster. Like there are holes on this team and to not allow some younger kids to come in. And if that means trading away a couple of roster players to do so, just do it. Cause like, I mean, I don't know. I, it, that, I that, I'm just trying to say like, if, if, it, if it means le- letting go of some good NHL players in a year where they're, let's be honest, you, you're not going to win a Stanley cup and that helps you see what you have coming up. Then maybe, maybe it's time to do that. But I hear what you're saying, Scott, like maybe see what happens. I just, yeah. you know, I also think that plan though, at this point requires waiting because if I'm not trying to do everything possible to, you know, free up cap space and make sure I, what, you know, upgrade my roster, whatever, cause we're contending. Well, now I'm even less inclined to just dump a player. Like I might, if, if I'm thinking about trading Grizzly, I might as well hope he has a good season playing next to McAvoy and build up some value because I think Sweeney has already explored trading him. And obviously didn't find a deal that he liked that made sense. Same thing with the goalies. I'm sure I think he explored that market, but didn't find anything that makes sense. So I don't know. Hope they hope your goalies have really good seasons again. And there's a playoff team somewhere that's goalie desperate. There usually is. And maybe they have more value, you know, as you come up on the trade deadline and you can actually get something. Like so I think even that plan of, well, you know, can we create some some spots for some kids. I, I think that opportunity is there. If those guys earn it. Um, but in terms of just like opening up spots, you might as well wait even on that and, and hope guys build some value for you to trade them in season. Cause again, right now, so many teams are just up against the cap that, that look, there weren't a lot of trades anywhere this off season. Like there's the Dubois trade and not a whole lot, lot outside of that. A lot of the names that were, supposedly available didn't get moved um teams are just too up against the cap to make it work so i don't really think you're getting anything close to fair value for anyone on your roster right now so you might as well hang on to them ride it out hope they they help their value during the season and and if you're not in it and you don't have a chance then you capitalize then yeah yeah, it's it's gonna be a very different season than last season. Very, very different. Um, so not gonna not gonna break their uh, their record for most points in a season this year. Uh, but I I don't know where you guys want to go from here. We've been talking about the replace uh, the you know I don't know if really Lack ceiling action plan. Yeah. Um, uh, did you want to switch to talking about some of the, you know, the Bergeron moments or final, do you have any other thoughts on? Yeah, I'm, I'm good to do that. I mean, the, the only final thought I had is we were just 
the last like half hour we've been having this discussion about kind of moving forward multiple times the thought has popped into my mind of just like pretend that this Bruins team going into next year had Taylor Hall and Tyler Bertuzzi and Dimitri Orlov and Patrice Bergeron and like just like how in God's green earth did the Bruins do that? How, how, how did they choke that series away to the Florida Panthers? I mean, that, and I'm not, trust oh, me. I'm, we're back to this. Here. I'm, not, I'm not trying to relive it, but it's just Bergeron retiring after, like after that loss last year and how much talent that team had. That's just really, really unacceptable. How, how mm-hmm. you had a three, one series lead and you had, and, and that roster because, because, because we're talking about trying to piece together respectable roster for next year and it's like you think back to what their roster was three months ago and it's like how and how how does that happen but and I, talking about him really going out on top would have been going out on top yeah. with that roster doing what they should have done going to the stanley cup and that's you know how he would have scripted it um, or even a second round even, yeah round. Like, but on. you know yeah. that's what going out on top needs usually and I mean, we all we all knew that like that season was as all in as all in gets with everything they did before the trade deadline and what they traded away in draft capital for rentals, which, you know, yeah, we could sit there and say, hey, maybe they re-signed Bertuzzi or Orlov. But realistically, we, we knew there was a decent chance those guys were true rentals. But, you know, that team was worth doing it for. Again, we've we've covered this like at. I wouldn't have any regrets if I'm Don Sweeney. I, I think you did what you thought you had to do for a team that gave you as good a chance to win a, a cup as any team we've seen. Um, but yeah, then, you know, I, I keep thinking about what David Pasenak said right after the season when he said, like, it hurts now and it's probably going to hurt even more in the months to come. Like, you know, paraphrasing him. But it's like, yeah, it's like all, all those guys knew. They knew there was a good chance that this was the end for Bergeron and Krejci. At the very least, they knew there was going to be a ton of turnover and guys not coming back. Um, you know, and now, now you see it. Now it's playing out. So, uh, yeah, it's the, that's the price of, of going all in. And, and, you know, it's not on, not on management. It's on the players and, and, and the coaching. And they're the ones who are going to have to, you know, live with, with their regrets there. And they, and they lost to a team with, you know, a 40-year-old Eric Stahl, a 37-year-old Mark Stahl, Radko Gudis, Nick Cousins, I mean, Ryan White from like Walpole, where he's from, Sam Bennett. These are the guys who beat you. Now, I'm not – obviously, I, I'm omitting Matthew Kachuk. He was the biggest reason, and, and Brandon Montour. But, like, that, that that Panthers team, honestly, there, there weren't Did, many didn't even get Didn't even get great goaltending against no. you. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't no. until the next round that Bobrovsky got hot. Yet, yet a couple of clutch goals from Kachuk and from Montour, and a lot of self-inflicted mistakes by the Bruins. But like, I look back at that series, and it's like, I look at the Bruins roster, and then A, and then B, I look at how Florida, like, yeah, they played hard, but like, they didn't like. They, I just don't know how it happened because they just didn't overwhelm the Bruins with anything. I mean, yeah, the forecheck was good here and there, but it's like, really, that's that's the group of players you you, you lost to. 